0: (laughs) Hello, pod! I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome back to the second part of our Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler special. We're trying to bang these ones out before Christmas so we can take a Christmassy break. And I tell you what, folks, what a difference 16 hours or so makes because in the interim between recording part one yesterday... Two things have changed. One, I have a heavy cold, uh, which I am—I have—I am told is not COVID. I have taken a test, but I'm, I've got a PCR later on, just to put everyone's mind at ease. But that is not the only change uh, to this podcast. I'm joined by my three colleagues of such lethal cunning who were here with me yesterday: on Warman, hello, Helen O'Hara, howdy, and Ben Travis, hello. But I, you know, to to quote George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven. Do you think we need one more? Do you think we need one more? All right. We'll get one more. Doing the swirly thing. I'm doing the swirly thing. Find James Dyer. Find (laughs) James Dyer. Is it working? Is it working? Does it look like I'm masturbating on the webcam? Find James Dyer. Find James Dyer. Oh, my God. Chris, is that you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) Here I was sitting here just working away at my desk and this big portal is open next to me and I can see you all through it. Uh, How can I help you? Come through, James. Come through. All right. Hang on a second. Let me just quickly.
2: All right. Here I am. (laughs) Hi. Everybody know, who knows James Dyer is trying to come through the portal, too. We have to oh close. No. Oh
3: my God. Quick, throw some oh bread God. at him. <laughs> oh,
0: no. Are we going to get all the James Dyers coming through, including, of course, General James Dyer, a, a major supporting character in a Jack Reacher book? Which one? Personal? The
1: Affair. <laughs> is it The it's, Affair? It's in The Affair, yes. General Are James Dyer. sure? I am 100% sure because okay. I have my copy I thought of The it, it pers- here signed to The General by Lee right. Child. So, here comes you know. The General. <laughs>
4: Ladies and gentlemen
0: oh, dear. The them, moment you've waiting for
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> The pride of Mount
3: Vernon? Mount Vernon, that's James correct
0: Anyway, here he is. Here you are. Hey, Jimbo. Uh, so, oh, you weren't here for yesterday's. Uh, quite frankly, we held the feet of this film over the flames and we <laughs> ripped it to shreds. As uh, quite rightly, because it's obviously shoddy. No, we couldn't. Yeah. We were loved it. it was a loving. Uh, are you going to join? Are you going to join the loving? What oh, do no, you think of Spider-Man? I don't know what no you talking home. about? Why have you brought me here? All right. Now,
1: I am actually from the Forget particular. Forget James Dyer. <laughs> I am from the strand of the multiverse where James likes all things. So, the <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> correct universe to pull me in from (laughs) thanos was wrong people (laughs) Uh, um...
5: it's a christmas (laughs) miracle oh gosh
4: god bless us one and all (laughs) i'm just gonna take that three second clip and repeat it (laughs) ad nauseum you're
3: damn right
4: (laughs) Uh, uh yes
1: it's it's a bit good isn't it it is a bit good. Uh, I, I enjoyed it enormously. And I like, you know, I think I suppose to say this about the regular podcast, Like I had real reservations about this and it biting off more than it could chew and biting off yeah. something that should never be chewed. And yet it chewed it very, very well. Um, and there was an awful lot going <laughs> on. About <laughs> But my question for you all, my question for you, all, and I don't, I don't know if you covered this or not, but was that yeah. Shuma Gorath at the end <laughs> of the film? Like, this is the thing. This is, no, that's Benedict Cumberbatch. I can see how you might be Right, confused. right. Okay, I just thought, you know, with the longer beard, it was just unclear to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Shuma lest you forget, is the sort of immortal, sort of Cthulhu-esque Creature originally from the Doctor Strange comics, but I know him because I spent many, many, many hours in the student union. Uh, as with a, him with, <laughs> with, with studying with Shumagoreth, yes. Uh, no, but playing like um, Marvel versus Capcom, and Shumagoreth, the purple octopus creature, was right. one of the characters that you could use, and that's how I know him. It's basically an eye with tentacles, but mm. I'm absolutely almost. A little bit certain that was him at the end. It seems like, yeah. It, lo- it certainly looks, mm. you know,
3: met the description of eye with tentacles. So it, it yeah. seems likely. A bit smaller than I maybe would have expected, but maybe it's a baby one.
1: And less purple as well. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, uh, but also, let's we forget, he was summoned in uh, during the Infinity storyline in the comics by Ebony Moore at the behest of Thanos. Ooh. So, uh, you know, lots and lots of connected to That guy. That yeah. fucking guy, that right, guy, James? That awful guy who I do not oh. agree with on any level. <laughs> what a prick! Uh, yeah,
0: bad end. Um, yeah, uh, it, it may well be him. So, uh, is that the same Cthulhu type thing that we saw in What If? Because we I were talking about so. that yesterday. But interesting, interesting. Yeah, may well be. May well be. Very exciting. Very exciting times indeed, Jumbo. Because we covered yesterday, we covered a lot of stuff. Not everything. Hence part two, and we haven't mm. even talked about listener questions yet uh we probably won't have time for that we may do listener questions in an entirely separate show but jimbo right now top of your head i want your five favorite things about spider-man no way home it oh doesn't matter God. if we covered it yesterday just just talk about it. just my uh, just five extemporize you have yeah
1: One, Andrew Garfield's hair. Uh, (laughs) Oh, it's spectacular, isn't it? It (laughs) was. But just genuinely, like the interplay between those three was a delight. And as someone who has long had a serious dislike shall we say a toby Maguire spider-man i don't understand uh, I this know. what i know you don't i just i hate I mean, toby mcguire spider-man mm-hmm. i don't i don't what? like him i can't get on with him there's a, there's just as i've said before there's a hint of bellendery about that peter parker that i cannot get past and in spider-man 3 when he goes full bellend i'm like yes this is seamless to me i see no difference at all in this character um because that's what he's been like all along to me but i've never liked him but weirdly in this i liked him a lot more there was something about him that he seemed sort of calmer, more mellow. And just, I, I liked his influence. I thought he was a nice counterpoint also to the other two. Because they're all very distinct iterations of Peter Parker in terms of personality, I think. Um, I loved my favourite moments. I mean, Andrew Garfield saving MJ was was <laughs> an absolute delight. and watching him well up. And the fact that, you know, it wasn't rammed down your throat. It was very much an if you know, you know mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, and I just thought it was very, very deftly done. So that mm. was a wonderful moment as well. God, what else do I, I mean? Every, everything really at the end when it all sort of like goes completely bizarre because I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen in terms of spunk, you know, I, I, <laughs> like the, the, there was spunk everywhere, and I was really worried going into this that they were just going to spunk all over it. Toby McGuire can produce it naturally, it but can, the other that, guys sense, that was also no. a great moment Had to work to on. It <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does it come out of anywhere else? <laughs> um, We've like- asked
0: a question many times ourselves in this
1: podcast. <laughs> we actually have. But 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 how they were going to... Because obviously this is kind of like the divorce movie, isn't it? It's like the split up between Spider-Man and the MCU, kind of, for now. Is it? Uh, and he is... Spunk is getting custody of Peter Parker. And kind of in my head, I would always assume that, because this was a multiverse movie, that he would end up leaving that reality and going to another strand of the multiverse not when the other Peter Parkers went back he would go somewhere else and he'd end up in spunk world so he would then be separated from the MCU and Sony could ruin the character to their heart's content Uh, and I was I was waiting for that to happen so the kind of mind wipe approach to it so that no one in the mcu can now legally talk about him which is genuinely hilarious uh, because they don't remember him and he can now do his own thing although why the mcu characters won't factor into his films i don't know but i thought that was a nice way of doing it and i also massively appreciated them undoing the terrible wrong they did during the post-credit sequence of venom let there be carnage where (laughs) where venom ended up Mm -hmm. in the mcu Mm -hmm. briefly and then in this one he fucked right off again i think that was a really good move and yes he left a little bit of shall we say symbiote spunk behind <laughs> but, uh, but that's fine like venom's a fine character i have no problem with that and as long as they do something different with that little bit of spunk then
4: that's that's okay I did so did there, not there's expect hope here to be hearing that word so much this morning
0: it's very early for spunk
1: so i spoke so what is it sony pictures marvel what is it so
0: pictures universe of Marvel characters that's it. but that is, yes. that is no longer the acronym that they use. It's um the uh, I think they go by cum now, don't they? <laughs> the uh the cinematic universe of Marvel. I think
5: that's yeah.
0: what, <laughs> I think that's what... <laughs> I think that's what they call themselves these days. So that's fascinating to me, Jimbo. Do you think this is a divorce movie? Because we discussed this to an extent yesterday, and I think this isn't the divorce movie. I think this is the really elegant solution that keeps Tom Holland in the MCU and allows him to do um, an Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie um, in the uh, in the uh, under the auspices of come.
5: <laughs>
1: oh boy! <laughs> That's interesting. Do you think Garfield will be back in the spandex?
0: I I think that there is a very strong. It's obviously up to him. It's unlikely, you know. They, you know, he'd have to be willing. They, they, press ganging is frowned upon these days, <laughs> um, but. I think there's going to be a strong clamour for it. And you know, I, I, I can't imagine for a second that Toby Maguire would want to do that again and come back and do an entire movie. Hmm. But as we talked about yesterday, this is a character, Andrew Garfield is a legitimately huge Spider-Man fan. He adores and worships his character. There is a sense of unfinished business with, with with him, I think. And you could very well argue that this movie finishes that business. But I also think that this is a really neat and elegant way of having a Sony Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield. I don't want to repeat everything I said yesterday, mm-hmm. but having a Sony movie, standalone Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield, mm-hmm. and then Tom Holland can, can knock around in the MCU. And because Spider-Man is still a thing in the MCU, it hasn't magically wiped Spider-Man out of existence. You know, he can, as we know, as we see at the end of the movie, he's swinging around. Uh, it's just Peter Parker that people are forgetting. And that can be, that can be unforgotten very, very quickly.
1: Speaking of him swinging around, though, i got to admit, I didn't love the shiny costume. You know I have a thing for the fuzzy costume, if anyone's watched <laughs> the video things we've done online. I talk about that quite extensively. But I like the fuzzy costume. I don't like the sort of shiny costume.
4: you talking about the one at the very end?
1: Yeah, yeah. Really? too shiny, Too shiny, yeah. I like Matt, Matt Fuzzy Felt Spider-Man. I don't like, you know, shiny disco Spider-Man.
0: Okay. Uh, so Jimbo, anything else you want to talk about real quick before we get into it and we take we off some of the stuff we didn't get to yesterday?
1: Uh, I liked all the strange stuff an awful lot. I love the fact that they went to the Mirror Dimension. I think that was great. He's like, what the... Well, he, I don't think he quite says it like this, but he is from New York. He's like, what the fuck is this? And he mm-hmm. says, it's the Mirror Dimension. You know, that's what a lot of fuck? fun. And what I the love the fact that he's dimension? like, this is this is maths. Like, he like he works it out. I think that's quite cool. Because we often forget the fact that Peter Parker is supposed to be, you know, a stone cold genius. Like, he's a really smart, mm-hmm. smart, smart kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And, and also, I think that's really interesting. that Given that he is, you know, someone who could quite easily... You know, under normal circumstances, get into I- MIT. I like the idea that bec- not only has everyone forgotten him, but obviously so has his school, which means he can't graduate. So he's doing a GED because he's no longer graduating mm-hmm. high school, which he clearly can't go to MIT. Which is presumably, while he'll end up getting a job at, you know, J- Jonah
0: Jameson's vlog. That's what I was. That's what I was going to say. I think that that's. I think you know there there are many many indicators here that I think means that he'll remain within the MCU and. You know, he one thing he hasn't done is display a penchant for photography yet. But that everyone's can come. got a phone. <laughs> everyone's got a phone, and he's got a great sense of composition. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised mm. if and when we get round to a Spider-Man four, which I think will be without John Watts. So that'll be a really interesting um, little bump in the road for them to navigate, because you know his handling of this this trilogy has been pretty sure-footed, I would say, throughout. Because he'll be off doing Fantastic Four and he's got this thing with George Clooney and Brad Pitt, this thriller with with Clooney and Pitt that he's doing first, and then I imagine he'll go into Fantastic Four and start developing that. I can't imagine him being lured back for for a fourth part of this, but uh, there's a lot of ground to cover and a a lot of possibilities to to move forward. He
3: is going to do his GED, so he could um, get into college ultimately but I think it's
0: probably like there'll be a delay yeah, so he'll get delay. to work yeah. for
1: Jam- yeah. Jameson for a bit before he yeah. goes to college I'm assuming you guys talked about the pointing
5: mm-hmm
4: yeah
1: no did we not, not really did we no We no, are not talking no, about didn't. the pointing the pointing meme because that was yeah. one of the biggest cheers at the yeah. screening we were at where <laughs> yeah. when they're like when he's like uh, Peter and they go what hello mm-hmm. yeah and then are me me and they all just pointed at each other like yeah. yes <laughs> well done very good <laughs> <laughs> the famous meme come to it, life it
3: was almost too cute but it was very funny yeah
0: yeah, mm-hmm. it was so beautifully subtle because they weren't in their costumes. Because no, if you really no. want to do that, you have them in their costumes doing that. But mm-hmm. uh, but they didn't. Uh, I thought it was it was glorious, glorious enough that it's just it's a funny gag that works on its own. Mm-hmm. If you know what they're going for, it has that extra little frisson, which is which is lovely.
3: I also didn't get the you know Toby Maguire telling Andrew Garfield to t- say he's amazing. Oh
1: yeah, that's great. You're amazing. You're amazing.
3: How did I not see that? I just thought he was being encouraging. Oh,
1: That was really funny. I that liked was that really good. Too. But the thing is, that, that that's so so impressive because you can see like this written in the screenplay and someone looking at the screenplay thinking this is too smug, like it's too arch, like this is, it's, too
2: far but actually it never feels too far and i think that's the genius of this film that it shouldn't work and it does yeah i think because yeah. it's toby Maguire delivering that line he brings the sincerity to it and then andrew yeah. garfield brings the goofiness of it and it just <laughs> it just counteracts yeah. any possibility of that being yeah. smug because they're playing both ends at the same time with the with the right performers on each end of that
0: they're so good together i mean uh, the, the scene where um uh, which which has a couple of different layers to it as well, where uh, you see Toby Maguire, who obviously is now playing an older Peter Parker. If, mm-hmm. we're, if we're going, if we're going by by Tobey Maguire's age, he's a uh, Peter Parker in his, his mid to late forties, and he's he's got his back problems, which of course <laughs> is a callback to both Spider Man mm-hmm. Two. Mm-hmm. And the off-screen shenanigans that nearly yeah. cost Maguire the role in Spider-Man Two, with Jake Chillenhall ready to replace him, mm. uh, or lined up to replace him, more accurately, uh, which is, or it might have been a Mysterio illusion, who knows? But uh, but certainly it looked like Jake Chillenhall uh, So that's a lovely little meta gag yeah. there as well. And just watching the, the the two of them get together and and click and crack <laughs> Maguire's back, I thought was was really really fun because um someone who shall remain nameless was. Uh, we were, when we were discussing this movie, was, was casting doubt on some of the scenes in which the three of them are together, um, wondering if compositing was doing a, doing a job. And there's probably something in that. I think if you look at the, uh, the scene where they first appear, you know, after they've come into our world, and when Peter is at his lowest ebb following the death of Aunt May, and he's on the rooftop, and, mm-hmm. and Ned and MJ are, are comforting him. And then you have the other Peters appear, mm. and if you look at that, yeah, there's, a, there's the coverage of Garfield and Maguire in that scene is pretty much isolated close-ups, so they may not have been there that day. But I think there's an awful lot of stuff where it was the three of them in mm. the one scene, in the one shot on the same set at the same time, and I, I cannot, I cannot even begin to fathom the levels of security that went <laughs> oh into gosh. making this happen.
3: God, can you imagine?
0: Yeah. I mean, where, where, where was the shot? Atlanta.
3: Yeah. It was. Wasn't Somewhere it Tyler like Perry Studios again?
0: Okay. Um, so when Brian Cranston, just to quickly turn this into an El Camino spoiler special, <laughs> when Brian Cranston showed up in El Camino as Walter White in a flashback, uh, he came in for one day's filming and the lengths they went to to get him into Albuquerque. And in and out again because he was doing a play in New York and he had to take a day off from the play in New York. Had to come to, um, had to be flown on a private jet to uh, Albuquerque. They had to have basically tents up from the private jet to the to the terminal so that no one could see him because you know if Brian Cranston shows up in Albuquerque mm-hmm. and they're shooting mm-hmm. a Breaking Bad spinoff, people are going to put two and two together. Mm-hmm. Then this then the set itself was a green screen set on a you know it, it was just wild levels of security. And I, I, my mind also goes back to the, the Tom Hoddleston diddle with, um, with Loki in the say, hotel room yeah. in, in Comic Con, like sitting there. For, so, it, it, was it the same? Also, in COVID, everyone's in hotel rooms anyway. Yeah. But for this movie, was it basically Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in hotel rooms, very nice hotel rooms, presumably, in somewhere in Atlanta, being just ferried back and forth to set uh, under blankets and just incognito, lest something get out for, for weeks on end, presumably? Wild. Yeah. But when do we know? Because
1: we didn't know they were in it. Like when did we know?
0: Whenever Andrew Garfield takes his mask off. <laughs> no, did,
1: but, but like
0: we went into that film knowing that all three no. of them were in it, right? We went into this film suspecting that yeah. all three of them were in it, but but um, not not knowing.
4: There had been some leaks, but even that there was some speculation that was that photoshopped. Is it real? All that sort of stuff. So.
0: And and honestly, anyone who leaked that shit can go fuck themselves, big time. Honestly.
4: Call a lawyer. Matt Murdoch. Let's call Matt (laughs) Murdoch. Yes,
1: let's
0: do that. Enjoyed that a great deal. Yes. Uh, We haven't talked about Matt Murdoch in great detail. And we haven't talked about Aunt May. And we haven't talked about Ned being magic. And we haven't really talked about the (laughs) villains. And we haven't, there's loads of stuff we want to talk about. I want to talk about two sly gags as well. Mm -hmm. One's not really sly, but it's another exchange between Peters and Peter and Peter, uh, which is the Avengers exchange. (laughs) Which again is one of those things that that on the page could be really arch and an funny.
3: <laughs> are you in a band <laughs> <laughs> delivery
0: of that line it's like oh yeah yeah
1: yeah what's an Avenger just like it it, it was very very yeah. well done
0: because it's so true to the character of all three. Because yes, they're all Peter Parker, but they're all different in their own ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it was like watching, you know, back in the days. when I grew up kind of a Doctor Who fan, and watching like the uh, the, the five Doctors was a big thing for me as a kid. I've since re- re- repented, but you know, it's <laughs> it's um, it, you know, watching watch, just watching the three of them together was 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 amazing. And watching Peter Parker, our Peter Parker, Tom Holland, Peter Parker going, okay, you know, I have some experience working in the team. I don't want to brag but I will. <laughs> I'm an Avenger. And, you know, and then Toby McGuire going, that's great.
3: What's an Avenger? That's what's great. They're, they're being so supportive and they have no fucking clue what he means. Oh, fantastic. You're a Avenger. Congratulations, man. What the hell is that? You know, it's, it's so lovely.
2: Beautifully done. And it's lovely just accentuating the differences between those Peter Parkers, because it it would make sense for them to be like, well, this is your universe, so you lead the way. But there is a reason that, yes, he has been part of a team. And that's something that those other Spideys have never had. It's something that I love about this Spider-Man, that he's always had this corner of the universe. They've always had to look after, like, the whole of New York all the time because they were the only real superhero in that universe. Um, So (laughs) I think it's just lovely for them to make a point of that difference. And it just speaks to the heart of what I think they did so well in terms of bringing all these guys together and having them play off each other in, in fun ways that means something that, that kind of gets to the nitty gritty of like what makes a Spider-Man, but also what makes them all different. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just lovely.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And they really make all three of them earn, those big moments like it could have easily been when that final battle happens they're immediately on the same page immediately doing all that they need to do they have to struggle a little bit individually before they come together and say okay let's all get on the same page Peter 1, Peter 2, Peter 3 I love love Andrew Garfield's delivery of Peter 3 by the way so great I love
0: Andrew Garfield's delivery of pretty much everything in this movie
4: and then they have like you know that that precedes my favorite moment of the film, which we talked about yesterday, which is them all running in oh, unison, my. taking off, just oh, like so. Oh, good. I can't. <laughs> Frank against the moon. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Everything about that's perfect.
0: <laughs> my, my, my Chris tingle was going off <laughs> big time. Steady, steady. You make a really valid
1: point there, though, about Andrew Garfield's delivery, because this film made me remember that while the Amazing Spider-Man films are not great, he's a really, really, really good Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a great Peter Parker. He's really funny and he's likeable, unlike certain other Hey, Parker, come, on, come, come on, come uh, on. But no, I'm, okay, let's be a perfectly honest. I find Toby Maguire just wildly unlikable in, in those three films. And yet uh, Andrew Garfield is hugely likable. I think Tom Holland is the perfect Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But Garfield was really good. And I think if he'd had the support of, you know, better films, uh, we would think about the Amazing Spider-Man movies very differently. Mm. So I'd like him back. Please bring him back. Mm-hmm. I want more Garfield. This, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm,
3: the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, I do want him as the Peter A. Parker to Miles Morales. I think he'd be great yeah. doing that.
0: Oh, yeah. that'd be really good. That'd be really good. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> the sly gag I wanted to talk about was the the a title of Flash's rushed out autobiography, Flashpoint, <laughs> Flash because this movie has completely and utterly stolen the thunder of a movie that was being prepped long before this movie <laughs> was even a, a thought in the in Marvel's heads yep. and that is of course the Flash movie which is kind of going to do the same thing and I hope it does it brilliantly uh, and we know that you know, it's going to have Ben Affleck's Batman it's going to have Michael Keaton's Batman Michael Keaton couldn't be arsed showing up for this movie as the vulture <laughs> but it will be in that movie as Batman and that's going to make me lose my shit in a big big way as well I have to say uh, but I just thought that was a little Fly FU to the DCEU from the CUM and the I mean, MCU. Let's, let's not
3: say an nephew. It could literally just be a wink. Let's call mm. it a wink.
0: <laughs> I think it's a wink, but there's a middle finger well, as well. As <laughs> like,
5: yeah. hey.
2: Just ironic that Flash didn't get there faster. Who would have called <laughs> it?
1: <laughs> I mean, though, it, to be fair, they've got such big shoes to fill. I mean, but then there's, there's this is constant sort of history with what was the DCEU, where they were desperately trying to capture and failing what Marvel had done. And then it does feel that they, I mean, look, the Flash movie looks interesting, interesting, interesting but i mean will it be on a level with this i mean fuck me it would be
0: almost unprecedented in that world wouldn't it
3: It it'd be amazing if it is that would be fantastic Fingers crossed. We'll see.
0: Fingers crossed. The only way I honestly if they if at some point you're in that you have a scene with Affleck's Batman, you have a scene with um with uh with um with Keaton's Batman and then a portal opens <laughs> and George Clooney's Batman walks <laughs> through. We've
1: discussed
3: and
4: they
1: all point this. At each
0: other.
3: No, they all point at Clooney's nipples, going, What the
0: f-? yeah <laughs> dude these are, these are natural. <laughs> <laughs> these are natural, these are organic. Oh, there was <laughs> spunk
4: everywhere no, yeah. no look what I could shoot out of them. Oh no. <laughs> no portal. To Clooney now. However, if you want to open up a portal to, <laughs> to an animated Kevin universe, and then Thor turns up, and, 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 oh, why, the hell He's <laughs> why the hell not? Why yeah. the hell not? Would watch?
0: Yeah, yeah, crossing the streams in a big way. Why not? Well, you know, we've had DC Marvel crossovers in the comics. Why not have it in the uh, mm. in the uh, in the cinematic universe S- as, as well? Superman
4: and Batman are confirmed to exist in the MCU it's already. Is this is it's true? True? Mm. That is this true. That is true. But at
1: least on paper.
4: Mm.
0: Yeah, so Kevin Conroy presumably is knocking around in in the MCU at some point. So that'd be hilarious if in. they got
3: him in to play a small role in the MCU, perhaps as a voice actor. That'd be amazing. That'd be <laughs>
0: yes, please make it happen. Make Everyone's it. Happen.
3: head would explode.
4: Oh my gosh! Wow. Can he
2: voices imagine? a cartoon version of Moon Knights.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Magic is happening in this room right now.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, All right. So, uh, obviously, we want to talk about Aunt May, and I think there's a good way to get into talking about Aunt May, which is a scene we haven't really talked about yet, Mm. which is the three Peters meeting for the first time on the roof. Tom Holland's Peter Parker at his lowest ebb, as we talked about. And this incredibly emotional scene between the three Peters, where they all talk about the people that they've lost, and uh, they've all talked about having an Uncle Ben Interesting enough except for Tom Holland's Peter Parker. I mean there's there's Andrew Garfield the, the person that he's lost he focuses on Gwen but he also mentions later on that Uncle Ben said something to him on the night he died. Uh, we always assumed that this Peter Parker had lost his Uncle Ben off-screen by the time Tony meets him in the Civil War that something bad had happened after becoming Spider-Man uh, and they just kind of shorthanded that and you know we didn't need to see Uncle Ben die on screen again. The death of Aunt May in this would seem to indicate that he didn't have that to go through. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that if you want. If you want to talk about that, but also just talk about that scene because that is the scene in which you know Aunt May gets to say, "With great power comes great responsibility." G- g- don't, don't say it. That is a death wish. That is a curse. (laughs) If you say
2: that today, that is the end of you. Do not, don't say it in full. I I, I think I said it, Ben. I think I said it. Yeah, we said it yesterday. No, I think I said it. No,
3: No, I I think, so this, uh, this is interesting because this is something that I remember complaining about when Civil War came out and I think I've complained about it since, which is the way that the MCU bent over backwards to give that message but not use that phrase. and I was like, Mm -hmm. sometimes just say the phrase, we get it, we don't need you to reword it constantly. But obviously what's happened is they have decided to save it, and there was a decision to hold back on it deliberately. Uh, Maybe they didn't always know they were going exactly here, but they always knew they were going to do something with it. They were going to drop it at a particular moment, I think. And that's why. And I think they did deploy it to maximum effect this way. I think it worked really, really well. He already had that sense. I mean, he did basically say that in Civil War when we first met him in that scene with Tony in the bedroom. But to put it in those words, to have it as almost uh, a shibboleth. Isn't that right, James? That's right. uh, Shibboleth (laughs) for the other Spider-Man as this moment of bonding between the three of them, um, that worked unbelievably well. Yeah.
4: I I love everything they did uh, without me in this film. And it's been something which I've been wanting to see from this version of the character for a long time. Because one of my issues with the previous Spider-Man films is that so much of the important conversations that, had to have happened between Peter and MJ have happened off screen. Um, Peter even has a line to Doctor Strange in this film saying like, when Aunt May found out that I was Spider-Man, there's a whole thing, I don't want to go through that again. We haven't seen that. Mm. We've only really seen her coin the Peter Tingle term and any sort of, the the vast majority of the time that she's talked about Spider-Stuff is, you know, sort of a joke uh, in one way or another. Here, you really get to see um, what impact Peter being Spider Man has had on their relationship, and in that moment in particular, it's very, very powerful. I absolutely loved it.
3: And, and also the the impact of her kind of moral guidance on him, right? And that's always been there. And we've seen her, you know, obviously in the in the last film as well, working in the specifically in the charitable sector, specifically helping people get their lives back on track and everything after the blip. You know, this is something that she clearly does, but you see the the d- direct effect on him here, and I think that was. Really, really well done, um, yeah, and really necessary.
5: Mm
0: -hmm. Do we see it coming first of all, and do we think there's an element of fridging going on here? I mean, this is another example of a of a hero being motivated by the death of someone close to him.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that. I think there's practicality to it as well because I think the way this film ends, it's too messy if May's around and forgets him, and MJ's around and forgets him. I think w- weirdly, like you needed her off the board because you need him to enter a different phase of his life where he's no longer a dependent and he's now on his own and he's got his own apartment. And the loose e- the loose thread that like Ned and MJ are enough for that kind of emotional thing to land. So I think yeah. does, there's a fridging aspect to it, but I think also it's a okay. We need her out of the way because this has now become an obstacle
4: I suspected it was coming when Norman turned and like Peter Peter was like may run yeah." and I suspected that something was afoot. like I thought that maybe she got away and then once you know the goblin was pile driving Peter through all the floors I was like okay something's definitely about to happen um, so yeah I saw it coming what was the other part of your question the, the fridging um, I think there's like two different types of fridging there's fridging which is just Frustrating, don't do it. Annoying, fridging, and then there's fridging with purpose. I think this is the latter.
0: With great fridge comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I don't think look, like, not all deaths are fridging.
5: Mm-hmm. Fridging, yeah. you
3: know, fridging is the uh, is the kind of cheap death just to motivate a hero. Right. And you know, the, the thing about comic books, the, the, the adage is nobody stays dead in comics. But the second part of that adage, adage for many, many, many moons, was except for Uncle Ben. Mm. Uncle Ben stayed dead, and Aunt May in this universe is the only Uncle Ben we have, as you said, Chris. You know, we don't have Mm -hmm. an Uncle Ben character, so maybe it was inevitable in that sense. Maybe it is part of him becoming fully becoming Spider Man, and I think maybe it was necessary in that case. I mean, you know, yeah, we we can get into the definition of fridging, but fridging is, is slightly more particular. It h- tends to have to do with when people come back and the fact that women either don't come back or come back reduced in power. Men come back stronger than ever. So the difference between Oracle and Bucky, although actually Oracle ended up awesome, but you know what I mean? Um, the physical difference between Oracle and Bucky, for example.
2: Yeah, I think this had enough substance and and meaning. It didn't feel cheap. I think especially you've had three films with this character and and they gave a lot of good substance to that character in this. But I, I know it was meant to be sad, but this was a really like brutally sad moment and I felt absolutely gutted. I think Tom Holland played that moment incredibly well you think of how he played a similar scene obviously with with tony uh, and and got to play the reverse side of that in infinity war when he was being snapped but this peter has really been through some shit and i think tom holland sells that so so well it was uh, there was in among all the exciting joyous stuff all of the villains all of the craziness all of the fun all the funny bits to have this bit right at the centre of the film that is just desperately, desperately sad was bold, I thought. I thought it was really bold to put this right at the heart of your film and to make it, as Chris said, the sort of catalyst for bringing all of the Spideys together, to to bring them in when he would need
0: someone like that the most.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I didn't see it coming uh, until... Um, the goblin glider lines up and I thought she was going to be properly impaled the way that Willem Dafoe was in the first Spider-Man movie. And then they do a nice little bait and switch, don't they? they you know, think you think she's got away with it. Maybe she's just been injured. You know, that's been a nice bit of faltering fake out. And uh, they're both terrific in that moment, Holland and Tomei.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, she's got an Oscar. Um, <laughs> and it comes across for sure. I mean, his his... Disbelief, you know. I'm just gonna catch my breath. I'm just gonna catch my breath for a second. And his disbelief as she's as she's dying, uh you know. Especially given what he's gone through in the MCU, losing Tony and everything.
3: I was pretty sure she was dead from the Goblin Glider landing. Lining up, lining up. I, th- I thought it was a fake out that whole scene. But at the same time, I thought it was mm. brilliantly done because it does make you doubt. It does make you think. Oh, maybe we've got away with it. Maybe, just maybe. Mm. But no.
0: It is so. It, yeah, such a somber, such a dark detour for the film to come down. I and mean, whenever there was a. Quote from Tom Holland, I think we discussed this in the podcast a couple of weeks before the movie came out, where he said that the movie, I think he says along the lines, the movie isn't fun, it's dark. And we all railed against that a little bit going, what? Now, have you seen Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home? Yeah, those films are fun. Uh, Spider-Man, this Spider-Man should be light and, you know, escapist. and uh, But I think, you know, John Watts navigates the, the, uh, the more mature tone, uh, I thought, quite
1: brilliantly it's all those things though isn't it like it's light and it's funny but it's also quite heavy and emotional and has some dark moments like it's it does it spans the whole spectrum of of emotion
4: my favorite mcu movies are the ones which have which balance the tones expertly well and i think this is another one of that this is a top five mcu movie for me and one of the reasons why that is the case is because you do get that emotional gamut um and you feel sort of every bit of that It's, it's really good
5: Mm. Oh,
0: I haven't even thought about my ranking for the top. Neither uh, I. I need to sit yeah. with that for a little
4: while. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you remember how I said Eternals that maybe knocked its way into the top 10? I think it's definitely been knocked back out yes. uh, again. <laughs> if, if Eternals was my MCU top 10, it was at 10. And <laughs> so now it is at 11 with a whole bunch of other movies. Uh, but yes, yeah, so this is this is definitely top 10 for me. Because um, as we discussed yesterday, this made me feel things I i it 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 awakened a long dead feeling dormant lying
4: dormant inside of me and uh it's just terrific i i i've liked the mcu movies post endgame um but yeah i completely agree there's none of those movies have made me go ooh and ah and oh my gosh and what and what is oh my gosh all that sort of stuff in the same like two hour span um to the point where, you know, I haven't double dipped uh on any MCU movie in terms of going back to the cinema to see it again. Didn't do it with Black Widow. Don't think I did it with Shang-Chi. And I haven't done one Eternals yet. Um with this one, I was like, I have to go and see this again. Cause I need to see that moment on screen again with a big crowd. I need to see that moment on screen again with a big crowd. Um mm-hmm. and it was nice to feel that from a Marvel movie again, because I haven't really felt that way since Infinity War and Endgame. Um and this is definitely the film Prime to do that because it's Spider Man, you've got the nostalgia aspect of it as well. And with the Shang-Chi, with Eternals, you're being introduced to new characters. So there's not that same familiarity there. Mm. Um, but with this, there absolutely was. And yeah. when you added in Garfield and Maguire, it just took it to another level.
0: All right. So I've still got a little checklist of stuff we haven't <laughs> talked about. Um, have we talked enough about Maguire uh, and, and Peter Parker? Have we talked enough about his version of his take on Peter Parker and. We
3: talked a bit about him yesterday. Yeah, I think yeah. so. We
0: talked quite. Yeah. Uh, we have, still haven't talked any of the daredevil
2: stuff. Yeah.
0: Yes. Let's, and, all right. Let's talk so about let's, that. Let's, let's do that. Let's talk about a really good lawyer, Matt Murdock, <laughs> Um because there's been a lot of speculation and that he was going to be in this movie. That there was a lot of speculation that he's going to be in Hawkeye. He may still show up in episode six of Hawkeye. Mm. It was very difficult recording our episode five <laughs> um, Hawkeye spoiler special yesterday mm-hmm. without giving away that we had just seen him in Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> but, uh, but we did it because we're professionals. <laughs> and,
5: uh,
0: so he, he's in it. Charlie Cox, ooh,
5: right ooh. there. So yeah. happy.
4: I love that they, you know, first shot we see is actually off the cane. And then we pan out to see awesome. And there was a sort of
3: ripple of applause around the cinema as people saw the cane and and sort of started getting excited even before his face showed up. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I love that uh, Peter is also going for the brick, but Daredevil gets there first. And he's like, how is it? It's like, oh, everything about him is good.
5: Mm. (laughs) I
4: love that.
3: And yeah, and the fact that Peter clearly senses that's. I mean, no, I'm speaking here as a lawyer. That's not something you're taught in law school, actually. No, this this may come as a surprise to you all. You don't actually have a class in catching bricks without looking. Um, I was hoping for yeah. one uh, as a Northern Irish person, it would have been terribly useful, but um, <laughs> but no, there, there wasn't one. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, so he… Helen,
0: Helen, <laughs> I know where you live, so I'm going to go around to your house now and throw a brick through your window, so um
3: Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> You catch
4: it.
0: It's, a, the not, it's a
3: day ending in Y, Chris, no surprise there.
4: The other cool thing about that scene, John Favreau, uh, do you remember who he played in the Ben Affleck Daredevil yes. yeah. movie? Yeah. Of course yes. I do. He played Foggy Nelson. Exactly. So there's yeah. that nice there's that nice bit of uh seven what's the word?
3: Synergy. Well, Not synergy. even uh, unsynergy yeah. almost. It's almost <laughs> the opposite of synergy.
0: Are we saying that there? You know, that the portal has brought in a Foggy Nelson who's wandered around somewhere <laughs> looking for my Murdock
4: <laughs> Into the Favreau verse. Into the
0: Favreau (laughs) verse. Oh, my God. That would be incredible. (laughs) Mike from Swingers meeting up with the chef from Chef. That would be so money, baby. That would be so money. Happy would get him to yes, make, please. like, a delicious cheeseburger.
3: Oh, oh he's so good. Oh, oh, my God, maybe some brisket?
0: <laughs> oh, not, 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 oh. a not a cheeseburger. Not a cheeseburger. It's too sad. Too sad.
3: Oh, <laughs> too, oh. Soon. too soon. Too to soon to have a cheeseburger. Too soon, too <laughs> soon. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, but where do we think that this is going to go? Where do we think that Charlie Cox, back as Matt Murdock in the MCU, is going to go?
4: Well, we've got Echo coming up. Uh, I fully expect him to be involved in that. Now that Kingpin, I expect... He's about to come, I've only seen a blurry photo, he's about to come into a much bigger focus in Hawkeye and beyond. And where Kingpin goes, I think Daredevil follows. So I think whatever they're doing with that character, Daredevil's going to be in the mix there too.
3: So spoilers for Hawkeye episode five. Um,
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, I also think She-Hulk is coming up. She's a lawyer. Well, that's a good point.
0: That's a She's good point. a lawyer. He's a lawyer. You know? She's superpowered. He's superpowered. He's superpowered. We're all going
1: to be wrong-footed by this. It's going to be an MCU courtroom drama. There's going to be no oh action whatsoever. I am absolutely here for that. <laughs> Why wouldn't
3: amazing. that be great? Oh, my God.
0: Bring it on. A few good... Um, Superman. The okay, A few
3: good <laughs> Spider-Men. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's what they
2: were going to call this one, but they thought we need to stick home in there somewhere. Don't want to give away spoilers.
0: I want the lizard. You can't handle the lizard.
3: <laughs> you literally can't. You don't have superpowers. Leave him to me. Very
0: <laughs> amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be fascinated. Again, I wonder if, you know, as I said yesterday and a little bit today, I wonder if uh, the powers that be at Marvel might be looking to gauge audience reactions to certain cameos mm. before deciding what to do really going forward. Because hey, Charlie Cox, you know, this is the first time you have seen him on the big screen. He has been tethered to the Netflix shows. He's been tethered to The Defenders and, and the three seasons of Daredevil. This is the first time he saw him on the big screen. And, it, you know, it wasn't, you know, I would say comparatively, the, the greatest reception compared to when Garfield McGuire showed up. But that big, was a really healthy. Yeah. That was like a, whoa, yeah. oh my God, yes, uh, kind of reception. Yeah. And, you know, I I, I love Daredevil. Mm-hmm. It's one of my top 10 comic book characters, uh, or certainly Marvel comic book characters. I, 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 I so- love and uh, you know to to you know get a big screen Daredevil movie again? Yes, please.
2: Yeah, uh, get an Affleck back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think he is a great character. He's a great person to have in the mix. He holds his very own specific space within the Marvel universe, and. Charlie Cox did such a good job in that show, and that show was great. I know people like shit on the Netflix series quite a lot these days, and yes, many of them were overlong. Even the Daredevil seasons were, admittedly, a couple of episodes too long each. Mm-hmm. But if there was any one show within that Netflix world mm-hmm. that was the most consistently actually really good, it it was Daredevil. That final season of Daredevil was kind of crushing because it just ends and tees up some great stuff that we mm. never got. Um but that final season is really really good and he yeah. was always great as that character. So there is an element of a little bit of messiness of taking these shows or taking this character who was in a show that never really got to wrap up and bringing him into the very neat MCU. But I think when that casting is that good, when that performance is that good, why not? It, it doesn't necessarily mean that all the Netflix stuff is canon. They can use whatever they want from that. Yeah. But let's just bring these guys in and it, when they want to deploy them and if there are kind of ideal projects to stick them in. Like, as you say, yeah, actually, She-Hulk makes total sense for there to be other lawyers mm-hmm. around. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy that Charlie Cox is back and happy for him. If we're talking about second chances in this film and people get into reprise mm-hmm. roles after having been kind of screwed over by factors outside of their control... He fits that bill as well.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: That's what this whole movie is.
3: Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, the, the point about canonicity is, is interesting because <laughs> this doesn't technically have to be exactly the Daredevil we've seen. It doesn't ha- he doesn't have to have been through all of that. That doesn't have to have been in the MCU universe that we know. This could be, you know, a parallel one from, a, from the MCU. So they've. It could be a f- yeah, variant. Some... We, we
0: saw a variant and this yeah, is the real thing. This could
3: be. or they, yeah. yeah, we saw the variant. This is the real thing. Or vice versa. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, so it's it's kind of all to play for.
0: The whole film's about second chances, isn't it? I mean, that's one of the great themes of the, of the movie. And it, it's so meta in the way that it's actually giving all these different characters second chances <laughs> uh, also. Although I will say, if we're going to carry forward with Charlie Cox as Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, this represents a remarkable opportunity to recast Foggy Nilsson.
3: What oh, that? I like
5: yeah. that guy
4: whose name I
2: can't oh. remember.
4: Hush, oh, That is harsh. He's very good as Foggy. The guy's name I can't remember.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Are you going to come for Karen next?
0: No, no, I like, I like Karen. I like Karen. You know, but, uh, but, a uh, visa, Foggy, and uh, we're activating Thor voice in five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Is he there? <laughs> Thor voice activated.
3: I I do think, um, I think Karen was done dirty by the show in a big, big, big way. I think she was such an interesting character in season one and was absolutely screwed over in seasons two and three. So um, if we're talking redemption, I'd like some for her too, please.
4: Alden Hanson, great foggy Nelson, knew his name in the end.
3: (laughs) 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 All right, Lego Batman.
0: When it comes to recalling the name of the actor who plays Mr. Nelson, Amon was a little bit foggy. Hey. <laughs> anyway. All right. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about as well. Um, we've talked about, we talked about at yesterday at great length, Willem Dafoe as a Green Goblin. We talked, I think, pretty much a decent bit about Doc Ock, mm-hmm. Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, who of course is, you know, the, the, the good baddie of the bunch. We haven't really talked about the rest. We haven't talked about Jamie Foxx as Electro. Talk about Second Chances. You know, this is the Jamie Foxx I think we thought we were going to get whenever he was cast in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I still think should have been called the Spectacular (laughs) Spider-Man. But anyway, let's not dredge up old wounds. Um, And we haven't talked about uh, Risa Fans and uh, Thomas Hayden Church, for it is them... Uh, say the credits and obviously they show up at, right at the very very end as Flint Marco and as Dr. Kurt Connors uh, they mm. are not in the animated credit sequence at the end their names don't come up uh, in the in the cast list which I think is, is interesting I love that
4: a big part of Jamie Foxx's uh, portrayal in this is that he just he's so happy that he looks like Jamie Foxx and not a blue dude with a comb of anymore it's, it's wonderful mm. <laughs> Guy's got a haircut <laughs> he's looking fresh mm. he's got this new electric powers it's good this was
1: something that I thought was handled well. They they looked back at these Spider-Man villains and realized yeah. when they were shit. <laughs> uh, like the first thing they do is they realize Green Goblin looks like a Power Rangers villain. They're like, smash that <laughs> fucking mask! It's ridiculous. So, and again, a very smart move. And then, yes, the de-blueification of Electro, another good thing. He the only himself. thing I experienced in this film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I don't> know.
3: <laughs> that was an Arrested Development joke. It has to do with the color blue. Uh-huh.
1: Sure, sure, Helen. God bringing filth to this podcast. I am disgusted with you. Oh, (laughs) blow (laughs) hard. But, but genuinely like the only thing that I would kind of put to this is that the motivations of the villains are Mm. all over the fucking shop in this film. I don't, it doesn't take away from the film for me, but it makes absolutely no sense. Like, Sandman's goody, but then he's not a goody and now he's a baddie, but now he's a goody again. And then Electro, oh, he's fine. Oh no, no, he's massively evil. But as soon as his powers away, he's like, oh yeah, you got me. (laughs) I'm actually fine after all. Like (laughs) what's happening there? Exactly. Doc Ock we can
4: understand because he has a special chip thing that stops the tentacles yeah. controlling him. But, you know, I think what? Electro mm-hmm. mostly worked. I would have liked there to have been more of a conversation with him and Andrew Garfield's Spidey once he was depowered. I just think that was over very, very quickly. And he got over mm. it very, very quickly. Although he did have that great line about Black Spider-Man, which we discussed. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, <laughs> Doc Ock worked. Goblin absolutely worked.
3: The other's not so much. I think. I think the... Electra was a little muddled for me as well. I think I think you're right, because I think th- there is a transformation of that character and, and you know, he does go in, you know, you've got Andrew Garfield going, oh, he was such a sweet guy before it all went wrong. He was such a sweet guy. But he doesn't get back to that exactly. He's never quite consistent with any version of the character we've seen before. It feels quite removed from, from everything. And yes, it looks like a million times better. And I loved how they did, you know, the the kind of traditional electro mask mm. you see in the mm. shape of the light around him but you know he doesn't physically have yeah. a mask thought that was brilliantly done um lovely lovely touches like that and obviously it gives us Jamie Foxx looking more like Jamie Foxx which is a good mm-hmm. thing
0: buck ass naked
3: <laughs> well i mean i wasn't going to comment on that but sure <laughs> uh, but then but yeah what well, you know the the rest of it i thought was sometimes a little unclear and and as we discussed yesterday i wasn't clear on Sandman's thinking when he bugs off in the middle of the condo fight, for example. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't clear on Lizard's motivations. Uh, as you said, You know, we, we, yeah. we talked about this yesterday, he throws Spidey back into the building, back into the fight with Green Goblin. So are they working together or is he just throwing him and then going, eh, I don't <laughs> care and buggering off, you know?
2: Don't you think, though, so much of this is that the they had so much less to work with with the amazing Spider-Man villains because, as they liberally point out many times during this film, they were shit. <laughs> I loved all the complete piss-taking of, like, oh, the tragedy, he fell into a vat of eels? Gotta be careful what you call them. This guy was an amazing scientist, and then he turned into a lizard and wanted to turn everyone else into lizards? <laughs> Whereas the real dramatic meat comes from... Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, which yes, smash the mask, but keep everything else because he's perfect and amazing. Doc Ock is just beautifully drawn. And I'd kind of forgotten about the, the, the fact that it's the chip that makes him evil. And if you mm. fix that, then actually he's still that person that he was. And all of those good intentions are still there. So they got they had mm-hmm. so much to play with those characters. There was so much depth and they had to just pick the one thing from Amazing Spider-Man. And when this guy <laughs> was really lame, he fell into a vat of eels. What if he <laughs> came to a new universe and was suddenly like, I don't have to be lame anymore. Don't send me back to the lame universe, please. That, that, that was enough motivation. But, but that, I think that's why they were just like. Whoa.
0: And their motivations are quite simply kill <laughs> the spider apart from Flint Marko. Whose motivations are just a little bit like I have a daughter. I want to get back to my daughter. Okay, well then let yeah. help this. Let this guy do what he does because mm-hmm. he's about to send you back. And also, you're one of the Spider-Man villains who doesn't die. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have you don't have that fate um, that, that uh, will befall Doc Ock and will befall Norman Osborn. And I thought that was a really nice little wrinkle as well. You get you know the fact that you know they that Doc Ock has or Otto Octavius has has knowledge of. Norman's grisly face. Yes, and, and Flint has you know, knowledge of both of them. Yes, absolutely. So it's, it's hanging over them both in a way. Um, I'd love to see what happens when they go back because if they go back kind of Peter Parkard, are Peter Parkard, you know, they go back, you know, are they do they get dropped back into the point that mm. you know that, that from which they were taken, and therefore, if that Doc Ock who is now fixed Whoa. goes back into that point, does he? Do, do, do the events of Spider-Man Two play out the way that they they played out? Same thing with Norman Osborn. If he goes back and he's kind of mm. the Green Goblin, mm. does that play out the same way? So there's there's little wrinkles going on there that <laughs> might be worth exploring. But I liked the fact that with with Electro, I liked that. Again, it's a movie of bait and switches. I don't think the movie quite leans into his twists the way the previous two John Watts Spider-Man movies did. Obviously, the twist with Mysterio, everyone saw it coming, but I still love the way it was executed. And I didn't see exactly what he was going to be, which was this disaffected, bitter Tony Stark ex-employee.
4: The vulture twist is still the best twist in the Spidey movies. Fulcher
0: mm. Twist is, a, is an incredible twist. Yeah, and this great. movie doesn't lean into the twists in the same way, but what it does do is it tries to make you think that Electro is going to be the big bad. Electro is going to be the one who is going to really rise up. Like, almost from his first appearance, he's like, I like this power, I like this, mm. I can sense it, I can sense the power of the Tony Stark thing next door. His eyes will spark and fly, flare up. So once again, when you're looking at the left hand, the right hand is over here going... <laughs> <laughs> and,
5: that's uh, and that's being all really goblin-y.
4: interesting. I never thought... Electro is going to ascend to big villain. Really? No. When you have Norman Osborn, Goblin, Willen, mm. Winifred, and Doc Ock right there, I just, even in the marketing, and I get that there was a lot of secrets, like those two, especially Doc Ock, were being sort of front-loaded much more than Electro ever was. So I never I never thought that he would ascend to.
3: But, but Electro was the one expressing doubt with this whole let's get well situation is I is mm-hmm. yeah. think what... Chris means maybe, and not. you can understand
0: why as well. Like it demonstrably improves <laughs> yeah. his life, so yeah, yeah. The power he talks about must be the Tony yes. Stark reactor yeah. stuff, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. He feels that. Okay. and I loved the the little Doc Ock bit with that as well. The power oh, of the oh, sun oh, in the palm of my hand when he's holding it. I thought that was that was lovely.
0: So good, uh, and then of course there's Sam and Lizard, uh, who I think are perhaps given. they are also in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, there's nice funny bits with when Lizard starts speaking. I'd forgotten he could speak
5: <laughs> if I
0: with you. Uh, so I, I try to revisit The Amazing Spider-Man, but I I didn't quite make it to the bits. I I, I turned it off before he transformed, uh, if, if I'm completely honest. And uh, so I'd forgotten that when he's a lizard that we still can hear him as, as Risa fans. And so that's played for comedy a couple of times. The dinosaur can talk. <laughs> and then he talks and then Peter's like, Peter, just matter of factly goes, I did know you could talk. But I'm gonna on. So there's, there's, nice, there's nice little moments uh, studded all the way through there. I think the one that really doesn't entirely work. Uh, and I think there's another element in this movie that doesn't work. And I'm going to say it in a second. And it may shock you or you may agree with me. I don't know. Um, is CG Thomas Hayden Church as as Sandman I you're right Helen his motivations are all mm. over the shop what what is he doing you know he he protects Peter the first time that he, mm. he because that's what that's where Marco was mm-hmm. when we left him right he was kind of a, yeah. more of an ally of Spider-Man than he yeah. was a he was more of a false than a foe a friend of Spider-Man rather than mm. a foe of Spider-Man which is the same thing uh but yeah he just he just he he flits around merrily and I'm not entirely sure they ever really brought that home no there's there's a great there's a great big screen Sandman because that character, like Electro, that power set is built to be formidable. Um, like you know, being able to control electricity—that's a terrifying power. Being able to do what Sandman can do, also terrifying. And I don't think they've quite got. It. And
3: and there was an interesting uh, contrast between Electro and Sandman specifically. There's almost a sort of Sandman literally being able to earth electro mm. to an extent yeah. and so that, that idea of them facing off against each other seemed to promise quite a lot in that forest fight scene which is not a great fight scene but it, it's there um it's you know mm. it seemed to promise that okay there's there's a potential for this guy to cancel the other guy out that's interesting and then they just don't really go anywhere with that it's um Chekhov's Sandman mm. is sort of left sitting on the mantelpiece
0: mm. I guess in a film this big with so many moving parts some of the moving parts will get neglected every now and again and uh I, I don't quibble with their a decision to focus on Osborne no. and Octavius I because they're much better Doc Ock yeah they're better but I also think Doc Ock gets a bit of short shrift towards the end of the film but, uh, but hey ho is what it is the element I think really doesn't work in this movie and it really surprised me is J.J.J. Mm, interesting that first zoom out from his great. Uh, <laughs>
2: broadcast, where you realise that he's just in a basement against yeah. a green screen, was was beautifully done. Yeah. And then you got a little bit of an arc there because by the end he is in a proper studio and he has vans and mm. things. Um, I thought that was quite nice and, and subtly done. But yeah, that first gag was was ten out of ten.
1: I enjoyed the uh, the dig at Alex Jones mm-hmm. when he's basically trying to
0: flog whatever that vitamin <laughs> supplement is. I thought
3: that, that was, was a amazing. Nice touch. Yeah.
0: Did you also notice? Because you know, I, I I I always thought the bugle was uh, it's a it's a nickname for cocaine, right? So <laughs> you know, uh, did you notice? I always thought there was a British nickname for cocaine, but they called J. Jonah Jameson's show on the Daily Bugle the Daily Fix, and so I wonder if <laughs> someone is actually just having a bit of fun there with the uh, with the the play on words. I had never heard that Possibly. term
3: for cocaine. Not Immediate that I no, really spent time looking up a lot of terms. Just you, Chris. Things,
0: yeah. Winners don't do drugs.
3: Yeah. Wow. But but yeah, I do I do like that idea that he had essentially built his built his reputation on hating Spider Man. I thought that was that was clever and that was well well done. So yeah, fair play.
1: Yeah. Well also not being funny, but it's it's very, very true to life isn't it the people i mean take boris johnson like pick an issue double down on it whether or not you held it at the beginning you know you'll die for it by the end and that essentially is it's become his brand and so god damn it he's gonna commit to it
5: Mm -hmm.
0: i I, listen i think jk simmons is fantastic i couldn't see anyone else playing this character and i'm glad that they went that way but i just think whilst everything you said makes sense there's something about him in the first three spider-man movies the Raimi spider-man movies where he's playing off people. And he's able to berate people and berate flunkies and have a go at Ted Raimi and have a go at Elizabeth Banks. And, you know, and she's rolling her eyes Mm -hmm. and you have that sort of His Girl Friday newsroom energy. And that was kind of lost when you reduce him to basically a sad sack broadcasting from his basement. Maybe that will be fixed going forward, especially if one Peter Parker starts working for him. And he
3: is also like he's just bad. He's just a bad guy in this. There's there's no real, you know nuance to him. We don't get any of that kind of colour that we got in the Raimi movies. So, yeah, yeah that's my yeah.
4: Now I definitely think moving forward, if they can have as Ben sort of said, Peter work and at his vlog or something like that and have that sort of not direct, but some sort of interaction between them more than just voice on the TV screen or on a podcast or whatever, then that will really benefit uh, that portrayal of that character.
0: There's one more thing I wanted to talk about and you guys can throw anything at me. And that is Ned mm-hmm. being magic.
2: Oh Ned.
3: Magic, Ned. He's always I, been magic, hasn't I he? Lo- I
2: love magic He's always Ned. been the secret sauce in this Spider-Man mix right mm. from Homecoming. He was one of my very favorite things about this incarnation of of Spider-Man and that corner of the universe. He's just a joy. I feel like not many other Spider-Man sort of films have have necessarily given you a Ned type character. It's always been peter and then it's always been the love interest then there's always been a flash but you've never had that like real solid bestie and they're just such goofballs together and and that whole gag running through of, of my, my grandma always says there's magic in the family and him <laughs> being able to use the ring and, and uh, the possibilities of that of then hey maybe we do have a kamar student uh waiting in the wings like give me give
4: me the ned story i want more oh, ned God, yes. always 100% ned as sorcerer supreme make this happen <laughs> we not go that far but i definitely want to see more <laughs> magic ned uh that was great i love that we've been talking about this a lot recently uh with west side story and its non use of subtitles but you have some uh, Tagalog uh, dialogue, uh, the Filipino mm. heritage, yeah. and there's no subtitles. And that's just a lovely little scene. I love Lola. Yeah, um, She's so funny. Uh, so yeah, that, that was really, really cool. I love how nonchalantly it, it it went about that. It was really good.
3: Yeah, it was really cute.
2: It's just amazing to me. And, and just the thing that this incarnation of Spider-Man does so well in terms of the tone that, oh my God, we get. Andrew Garfield back. We get Toby Maguire back, and their first scene in the movie is with Ned and MJ and Ned's mum. That's just—it's just perfect to me. It gives you the really fun stuff, but then it it, it delivers it in such a light way, um, and and just has fun with it. It's glorious.
3: Was it his mum or his granny? Yeah,
2: it is grandmother.
3: I thought granny. Uh.
0: She's glorious either way. She, <laughs> she is. is. She really is. Uh, and I, I—that was one thing I did. Th- whenever he mentions it in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and he's going, "Well, you know, my my hands tingle from time to time," and it's so, like, you know, Doctor Strange's like, "You should see your physician." <laughs> I was like, "Are they? Are they setting this up for something?" But I didn't quite see what they were going to be setting <laughs> it up for. Uh, and it, you know, wh- why the hell not? Why the hell not,
1: right? Also, you you diss Ned being the Sorcerer Supreme, but first of all, he worked out how to use the ring, like, on it mm. by accident, and it took Strange fucking <laughs> ages, and he couldn't do it. So, um, he's a natural. Also, he's a natural. can you
3: imagine Ned and Wong hanging out? Oh can my you imagine gosh. how fun that would be? He's <laughs> so here for it. He's yeah. so here for it.
2: Look, if Doctor Strange is going to be the villain in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, we need a hero,
5: <laughs> and I think we found one. <laughs>
0: Stranger things have happened. (laughs) Uh, That is for sure. Anything else you want to talk about, uh, or are we bringing this this uh, second epic bad boy to a conclusion? I'll just I'll just throw in a couple of quick things. Yeah, sure. I just think that some of the iconography on display here is great. And I don't just mean the three Spider-Men swinging around the Statue of Liberty together. Uh, why does Spider-Man hate National Monuments <laughs> so much? <laughs> um, but just little things like Peter swinging towards the forest fight with uh, mm. Sandman and Electro. And there's that shot from side yeah. on mm. and you just see him swinging through the trees. And again, it does that thing, that, 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 that continuation of what they did in... in Homecoming and Far From Home, which is they really don't have him swinging around New York very much until the very end of the movie, where it's almost like he's become Spider-Man. Uh, so they have him on an uh, off-ramp, they have him in the forest, they have him on the Statue of Liberty. There's not a lot of traditional Manhattan, I would say. Yeah. Manhattan, yeah, you know, swinging around buildings and and doing his thing, thang.
3: Yeah, and I thought it was it was. It was nicely done. I mean that that scene in the forest reminded me of Spider-Verse of them, you know, heading out to uh g- to get to the the secret base. Um uh, first of all, but also th- I thought it was clever that that first kind of panicked flight through New York. Um, trying to get away from all the attention as, as his as his yes. identity is revealed, mm. going through the subway. Mary Jane being like, "That was so much worse." Yeah. <laughs> everything.
1: Ah, I I love that just on that that moment there when they they rest on top of the the sort <laughs> of like a traffic yeah. thing, and he's t- talking on the phone to Dude, and she's like Dude because he has let go of her, and she's just standing yeah.
3: there. Yeah, that was great. No, but also what was nice was that there were little touches like when he's going to search for the MIT associate dean or whatever her, her title is, he he lands on a the, the sign. He lands on the road sign at the exit. There's a hovering helicopter nearby and he waves. That's how the villains know where to find him, which I didn't realise the first time I watched this and only kind of clicked on interview the second time. That's why Doc Ock then turns up. Interesting. Right? Because he was just on TV, yeah. Don't you think?
0: No, I thought that they were just drawn to him magically. Somehow, I don't somehow. think
3: they're drawn to him magically. I think they know he's there because they've been watching TV. Trying to, find I mean, him.
0: they'd have to get there pretty damn quickly.
3: Yeah, but they, you know, they. they I, don't takes know. I wonder him a few whether minutes. it's
1: more far fetched that they'd be watching TV than having been sucked into a parallel universe. They think I'm going to watch him mm-hmm. TV, or whether they because they are kind of drawn to him, aren't mm-hmm. they? Like that's that's the, it's the this is a kind of a gravity well of him.
3: I mean, are they? Because he goes looking, he has to go looking for Electro and Sandman. He doesn't come anywhere near collecting lizards. The other two turn up on the bridge where he has just waved at a TV camera.
4: I think Hannah's right.
0: It makes sense. I mean, they show up pretty damn quickly after that.
3: Doc Ock does, yeah. Well, no,
4: because like he waves to the camera, then he sort of has like a good two-minute conversation with the MIT woman on the road. And then, and then Doc Ock makes some noise. So it's a bit of time. Right.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, the electro and thing seems like a, a trap. Are they working together somehow? But, uh, yeah. but they're not. Yeah. And, and Lizard, as, you're, as you're, uh, you're, you're right to say, Lizard's just kind of knocking around the sewers, isn't yeah. he? And, uh, and has that confrontation that we don't see with, with Doctor Strange. Yeah,
4: yeah. I, I think, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to concede.
4: I think you're totally right about the web-slinging. And I, I love that it's almost an evolution of it becoming smoother and more effortless as we, as he's matured into this version of Spider-Man, because that has been one of my issues with the prior Spider-Man films in the MCU. Like the web singer has been fine, but I hasn't looked as smooth and as cool. And as I want to know what that feels like as it does, as it has in the Raimi movies and even the uh, second Spider-Man movie, which really nailed the web singing. Um, but now in this movie, um, Especially with that end swing through, uh, New York, you really, really do feel like it's matured into that, and I, I really like that.
0: It's, it's, it's pretty much put a real now. Yeah. There's an amazing shot where. I mean, as much as I love all the swinging stuff that you know John Dykstra oversaw for Spider-Man and Spider-Man mm. Two, there's still the strong whiff of of CG, and there's still a whiff of CG here. Oh, yeah. I mean, the compositing is not perfect. There's there are moments when he's on the uh the, the off ramp with um you know with with Doc Ock and you know and there there are conversations that feel like they're a bit green screeny. And so it's not perfect, and obviously some of the the villains the by their their very nature feel very mm. CG. But Spider Man, they seem to have got down now. He has a weight and a texture which feels light years beyond anything we've seen live action. One of my favorite shots, and I think they do a lot of it for real. Uh, so they actually infect someone with um, a spider bite, mm-hmm. and they get their stuntmen. They train them up, and they, you know, you know there's, there's that amazing shot in the early in the early scene with uh, with MJ where he's trying to swing back to his apartment, and he swings back, and they're they're swinging in, and then he lands on the wall and mm-hmm. just. Yeah. In close-up, and that looks as photoreal as I'm sure there's, there's real composites, mm. so there's real elements in there, uh, but that looks absolutely just 100% tip-top spider That Spider-Man. stressed
3: me out. Her scrabbling to open the window stressed me the hell out. Mm-hmm. It looked extremely unsafe.
0: <laughs> I also love Peter's use of Spider-Man as a verb. Uh, when you're talking about going to MIT, you say, I can, I can totally Spider-Man oh, yeah. in Boston, can't I? You know, it's like they, they have got crime there, there, haven't they? And like, <laughs> wicked crime. Yeah.
3: Wicked, wicked crime. crime was so good. I love that. Absolutely love that. For anyone who doesn't know, wicked is essentially Massachusetts slang for very, or a lot of. <laughs> yes.
4: Wicked crime. I have one more score thing to mention. I know that you're shocked to hear okay. such words from me. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. The cue that Guccino has for Aunt May's death that sort of continues and reoccurs later on in the film is brilliant. And I got the real hero vibes from it. That track that Silvestri has for uh, Stark when he dies, uh, I think it's in that same emotional realm. In the track listing, which just got released today, the Guccino Ooh. one, um, it's called No Good Deed. Um, oh. It's very, very good.
3: One thing about just when you we're, were tying together May's death and Tony's death, I, I wasn't sure about Happy's line at the end by the graveside, mm. where he sort of says, "You know, they they die, and then what's worse is you don't even know if what they stood for survives." And I'm like, "Tony Stark saved the universe, dude. I feel like <laughs> what he stood for kind of survived. I mean, yeah. what what's your worry there? What part of Stark's legacy are you thinking hasn't survived here?"
0: Is that what he says? I thought he says something along the lines of, you miss them and then you also miss what they stood for. That's the part you miss most. You miss what they stood for. I,
3: I, uh, I, maybe I'm slightly misremembering it. I Helen, don't think that was...
4: We will need to see this
0: a third oh, time. Oh no, what
3: a shame. This is such a... Look, oh. such a shame. It's
4: just your cross to bear, guys. <laughs>
0: It really is. Uh, and I'm also just going to mention very, very quickly, I just love how we talked about the differences between the Peter Parkers, but even the way that Toby and Andrew are introduced is, is absolutely in keeping with their characters. So Andrew Garfield's character is, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is, is rambunctious and enthusiastic and leaps through the portal and immediately takes his mask off and he's just like, oh my God. And Toby McGuire kind of just stumbles into it a little bit, like, oh, have, oh, what's so, happening here? You know, it, it, I just thought it was it was very, very cool. nice.
3: <laughs> also, yes. he's in a room, right? He's in a room in a house. It seems like when he steps through. So has yeah. he gone yeah. to where he lived, looking for like essentially his life?
0: Yeah, Maybe. quite possibly. Quite possibly. Uh, there's also indications, aren't there, that there is no Norman Osborn in mm, this universe. Yeah. Interesting. He goes, you know. He says, "I went to the house. I, you know, defoes Osborne, and he says something about his son. And we haven't seen a We haven't seen an Osborne or an Osbourne in this universe. I wonder. I, I thought for a while they might keep him around and, and change that.
4: There was a school of thought that he bought Avengers Tower, but I guess not.
3: Guess not.
0: That that I, I think we need to get past the Avengers <laughs> Tower thing. just that don't is think it's a thing. a thing. Yeah, there's
3: no sign it's a thing yet.
4: Fantastic Four. That's all I'm going to say."
0: unless it becomes the Baxter building and and then it, it, it could become the home of the thing rather than a thing as you can no doubt tell Uh, That is it for this part two of our Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler special. I I still feel there's stuff we haven't discussed (laughs) or squeed over quite as much as it deserves. uh, And we haven't answered any listener questions. Although we hope we've tackled them in the course of this. But we may do another one in the new year. Chris, three is a magic number. (laughs) Yes, three is a magic number. We (laughs) have to do it. We have to do it. And on that note, uh, that is it. Some people have got boosters to get. I've got a PCR test to run to. Uh, and uh, that is it for us. Helen's got to go home to Northern Woo-hoo! Ireland. Amon, what are you doing?
3: Fair baby.
4: Writing
0: all the time. Everywhere, everything, all the time. That's uh, that's Amon's uh, <laughs> approach to writing. Anyway, on that note, thank you so much for listening to this. And thanks, of course, to my four colleagues of such lethal cunning, the Fiendish Five. Oh, God. If only we had one more. Uh, it is goodbye from. Spider James, James Dyer. Goodbye. I'm going mm-hmm. back to my own universe now. <laughs> it, is, it is goodbye from Amon
4: Warman Arachnophile. <laughs> Peace. Don't, don't hold me to that. <laughs> I, like, I feel like that one might come back to bite me. Literally.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is goodbye from Peter 5. He was Peter 4 yesterday. Now he's Peter 5. As Peter's all over the place. Ben Travis. I'll be back
2: as Peter 6 in part 3.
0: Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. Make it happen. Uh, It's goodbye from just a tree, man, Helen (laughs) O'Hara. And it's goodbye from me, the original true believer. Uh, (laughs) But of course, the original true believer is Avi Arad, isn't it really? And this podcast, maybe even our lives would not have been possible without the incredible sacrifice made by (laughs) Avi Arad all those years ago when he executive produced Blade. (laughs) Thank you, Avi wherever you are thank you and thank you for listening see you next time bye